0: Michael If you're listening to Arts North, everything art in, uh, what is it, how do I say that again, I, I always forget my opening line, um, your community connection for everything art in northern BC, but hopefully Arts North will be all over the north, which would mean all over Canada. And I'm with Sean Farrell, the executive director of the... Let me see if I get this right, Sean. Uh, the Prince George no. uh, and District.
1: No. no You're wrong already. <laughs> I'm dying. Can I drop the mic? You can the drop block.
0: the mic. Okay. <laughs> Community Arts Council of Prince George and District. No.
1: The Community Arts Council of Prince George and District. Like it's an afterthought.
0: Is it regional? Is there a region in there?
1: Well, we don't call it region, but I think I think of our organization as supporting artists in the regional district of Fraser Fort George. Okay. Yeah.
0: That's a that's a pretty that's a pretty large area.
1: 51,000 square kilometers.
0: And it includes what cities does it include? Does it include Mackenzie? Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. I didn't know that. It doesn't so. include Quinnell because Quinnell has their own arts council.
1: Yeah. Well, here's, that's the other approach that we take that if, if you're an artist up in the North and there's no local arts council where you live, we will, we will accept you as a member ah. if, if you're looking for. Yeah. So we try to serve sort of North Central BC really.
0: How are things going with? I'm gonna just jump all over the place here because that's what I'm. That's what I usually do. So, how are things going with the? So we've got a a viability study happening for the new
1: art center. Feasibility. 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 So a it couple, is viable. We know it's viable. Well, that's viability is what we looked at in our first study, which was called the capital investment analysis, and that was for your listeners who don't know we're at studio 2880 which is an old 1950s bc forestry building that was converted into an arts complex in 1976 so it's been 40 43 years and the building's kind of at an end of life so we looked at a new building downtown which we acquired with the city the city acquired at the corner of third and quebec and we did a uh, capital investment analysis of that building and what that did was looked at the building and said could it possibly be used as an arts complex and if so how much approximately would that cost so we did that and the answer was yes and a lot of money and now we're doing a feasibility on that to see okay so what's the path forward to actually do it so where's the money going to come from how do we engineer it? how do we uh what what does the community think about it so that's what we're just starting
0: oh excellent i know that uh, as a member of the board for the radio station we're looking forward to getting that uh getting so we can have some input for the the Engineering, I guess, of the building, the design yeah. of the building.
1: Well, we really need to. Th- it's one thing to say the Community Arts Council is going to move downtown, but when the Community Arts Council moves downtown, there's about nine, no, 12 local arts nonprofit groups that also have to move with us or at the same time with us, and that includes CFIS Community Radio. So, yeah, we've got to figure out how a whole bunch of organizations need to move into a new home that needs to be sustainable and forward-looking and there for future generations. I was talking to another one of our uh, tenant groups here a while ago, talking about the design of their new space. And I said, you know, it's it's not about what you want. It's going to be about what's two generations from now going to be needing. That, those are the decisions that you have to consider First and foremost, right now, is what's what's going to be good for forty years from now. Mm-hmm. Not just what I want.
0: Are they looking at studio space rentals for? Is that something that may be considered for for artists when they need space, especially photographers? There's not there's not much for. And yeah, I'm biased here. There's not much for. Because uh, you take
1: photos. Do I take photos? You do good I photos. Do, I take, I and take then a you few. do them. You turn your photos into lovely, wonderful pieces of art.
0: But I also look for available space, and it's really hard to find inexpensive space available. So I don't know if that's one of the things that they may be considering. So
1: the name, the kind of the title of this new building is going to be a creative hub. Mm. And for us, it follows a little bit of the community center model, meaning that you can come in and participate in a program you can take a class or you can actually have your own space and you deliver class so unlike a curated space where a central organization makes the decisions about everything that happens in the space it's more like a community center where there's a reciprocal approach to the activation of space so definitely artist run spaces would be a, a, key, a key component of a creative hub so a common of professional Mm money-making arts organizations having their home there and then people you know members of the public that can come in and take a class buy some art attend a performance hopefully attend a performance that'd be great well we're we're working on so the idea in this space is that because it's a bank right yeah it's a retired bank it could have a small multi-purpose performance space but we actually haven't gotten anywhere near actually designing out that so is it a black box or is it just a big open space that might have a stage with some sound and light or will it actually have a formal stage we don't We don't know yet Mm -hmm. because the other piece that we're working on, Michael, is this new uh, city-led initiative called the Downtown Arts Strategy because the city of Prince George now wants to make arts and culture a priority in the downtown core. Not the only priority, but a priority in the downtown core, particularly around cultural placemaking and how that can be both an economic and a tourism uh, driver for the downtown core. And really importantly, to play a role in social healing as well that needs to happen in the downtown core. So within that downtown art strategy, looking at a professional performance space will also be something that'll be studied and we're starting that uh, with consultants in the city also uh, this month in August.
0: There are a few anchor tenants downtown which hopefully will um change or begin the evolution of change for the downtown core
1: give me an example
0: uh the new the condominium yes right the new condominiums
1: student housing student
0: housing for sure the 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 hope the new home ho- the future home hopefully the future home of the
1: of the arts council well and let's not forget i mean two rivers which has been like working overtime. like it's uh it's a. Uh, well-oiled engine there, right? Like their space is going constantly with classes and maker lab and exhibits, etc. as well. So it's not like we're starting from scratch. I think Two Rivers has shown very well that there's a, a market and a demand for people to go downtown and, and engage with, with art and culture. Two Rivers has already proven that this there, there's a demand and a market for it.
0: Amanika Arts.
1: Amanika Arts Omanica as well. Arts. I mean, just kind of thriving in their little space and doing really unique programming and unique uh, musical acts and artists in residence. Yeah, and people people are coming down for these kind of things.
0: I hope so. I'm going to do the artist in residency there for November.
1: Are you excited?
0: I'm really excited do you because have a plan? it's a different space, right? Do you have a plan? Uh,
1: um, uh, can you tell us about it? No, no. I've turned the tables here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do have a plan, sort of. So it's a loose plan. It's an artist. It's a concept, plan, right? It's a concept right now. Hopefully November first, which is a Friday, I can do the opening. I have to talk to Jen. Jennifer who is the, who is one of the board members there. Um, Betty Kovacic is going to be a board member. Yep. And, uh, lovely working for her. Hopefully I can get her on the podcast here. Um, and yeah just in just enjoy the time down there as much as almost as much as i enjoyed the time as my as my residency here
1: it was a year long residency we it was saw a, a lot we residence. saw a lot of Michael lot of my cast that year well, we don't I, see him as much now well other, i didn't
0: have a real job
1: <laughs> now i have a real job i know and peep other people the downtown Folks get to see you more than we do. Yeah, I mean, I hear you upstairs here in the radio station stomping around. Speaking of which, I need to thank
0: CFIS for for allowing us to use this space to record the podcast. The deal I made was uh, I will do my own podcast, the Arch North Podcast, in conjunction with the Arch North video this is a shameless self promotion (laughs) and if i were to if i were to handle their podcast so and that's starting to work out really nicely and cfis being one of the one of the one of the entities hopefully that will move downtown when when the time comes but we'll have to see
1: i'm involved with a few different podcasting initiatives. And so I describe yours as broadcast within a podcast. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because I'm also involved in other podcasts where there's a lot of editing before the final product gets released. It's yeah. like, you know, like e- editing, like music and background noises and so forth. And then I'm in another potential podcasting, which is actually also going to take sort of broadcast content and repurposed I guess for podcasts but the neat thing about podcasting is that you get all these different distribution channels Mm -hmm. right you can get right out to like Apple and things like that so it's 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 interesting to see this kind of broadcast being brought into podcasts that you're taking.
0: I may. Uh, I have been in touch with CFIR. You got me in touch with, uh, what, who's the station manager? That's a different radio station, folks. I know, and I don't care. <laughs> That's CFIR
1: at CIFR at CIFR the university. At
0: the university. They are They have a podcast initiative going on, a cultural Cultural community. Confluence, yeah. yeah. And let's what's happening with
1: that? Yeah, so Cultural Confluence is a program that we, the Community Arts Council, is doing with SIFUR. Uh and it's, it's about uh, letting people in the local arts and cultural community get up there and make their own podcast episode with their staff. And so there's two goals. I really wanted to bring... A wider range of demographics together, sort of have maybe baby boomers mixing with like the university crowd and see what kind of special energy we get from that intergenerational mix. And also for people just to get used to the experience that I'm having right now. We're sitting in a studio and we're not. Like we're not on air right now, but this is going to be distributed in a whole bunch of digital channels, and I and I wanted our arts local arts community to get some exposure to this still growing um, sort of broadcast platform podcasting.
0: I uh, I believe that like when you said, oh, that's a different radio station. I think in Prince George, and I did this with with my with my paper Take Five when I discussed some things with other with other publishers I said, you know what, there's enough for everybody. I don't feel that anybody that's supporting the arts or promoting the arts is in direct competition with me. Because it's all it only benefits the arts and that's that then that's why I'm here and that's why you're here.
1: So it's interesting that this idea of supporting the arts, I feel like it's it's gaining ground that we're making this shift and this could be because there is a new generation that's realizing that arts and culture and language and communicating are so important right now like it's not just the playground for 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 middle-aged upper middle class housewives, right? Like everyone, like people need to get involved in a creative exercise and a, an exercise around communication because it could, it could have a major effect on the well-being and success of your, of your life and your, your mental health and your emotional health. So for me, it was really interesting to see the city of Prince George municipal government have this Awakening in the last year, we're realizing, hey, in addition to housing, in addition to replacing our sewers, in addition to dealing with the homelessness issue, we need to, do, we need to infuse arts and culture into downtown. And I was like, it's been almost a bit of a surreal experience for me to suddenly see arts and culture become a priority uh, at, at city hall and for city hall to want to partner with arts organizations to figure out how to make that happen rather than take a centralized bureaucratic Approach to it, which would probably mean nothing ever gets done, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Bravo. that's true. Right? You know, nothing good it, ever came out of a committee. Um, I know that. For, my thought on that is uh, the the arts community, and the arts and culture community, tell the story of who we are. Yeah. Right, like the young people coming up, the young artists, the the artists that I see at the the um, the what's the thing at the library again? I always forget the teen art workshop Uh, those are the those are the young people that are going to be telling the story of who we are
1: well what are sort of world-class or world-quality cities they're not known for having a good Costco and and a factory they're known for their arts and culture Mm -hmm. Paris is known for and London and Tokyo and New York and Los Angeles they're not known because they had good shopping no, Though, right. Well, I, London, Paris. Well, they have good shopping, but they the shopping is an output of sort of a, a cultural and a creative process. So the fashion industry, which is an arts-based industry, right, creates those kind of fashion centers in New York and London and Paris. It's not about people being able to shop and get getting places as fast as possible so they can... Shop. That's, that's not about the culture. Yeah. That's yeah. not what makes a really good. I've always said, why do why do we even care about downtowns anymore, Michael? Like, what's downtown? The train tracks. Well, nobody takes the train anymore. The river. Well, people don't travel by river anymore. So, why do we care about that space between First Avenue and Fifteenth, right, and Victoria? Why Why do we care? And I, I, I still think that. The health of your downtown—it's like a barometer for your soul, right? If you've got a healthy downtown, it means your broader community is probably in pretty good shape. But if you've got a decay downtown, there's an infection in your community, and it's only going to be so long before it reaches out to your suburbs and your newer neighborhoods. And let's—the last fifty years in North America have proven that when there's downtown decay, it's not long before the residential neighborhoods start getting that rot. Ask Detroit. Ask Detroit. Ask, well, can we say Baltimore? Can we say, like so many, so many American cities where they let the downtown fall apart and then the residential neighborhoods went, soon thereafter it's like a it's like an infection
0: well you know i mean s- sadly and i hate to say it I, and because i'm i'm about promoting the city however i, I you know i've noticed the move I've, I've noticed this sort of a sort of creep right the the creep of the of that of that disease um it's insidious and it, and and i was coming up to the station one day and there were needles in the
1: by the stairs or you know? here, yeah, here. for sure, for sure, and and so and, people would think, oh well, you know, I, we don't want to go downtown because there's a pro-. no. The problem is everywhere. It's everywhere. It's it's everywhere. But where a lot of North American cities have turned the ship around, it they did it for in a for a great degree because they started focusing on arts and culture in their downtown again, and I can list off whole litany of, of cities like mm-hmm. in Ontario, if you look at Hamilton, even Oshawa that's recently lost the big GM plant, they're already looking to arts and culture to kind of create a new economy uh, where all these these workers have, you know, they're having to go back to school and learn creative things and architecture and engineering, etc. In the Rust Belt in the States because I'm from Toronto, so we used to go to Buffalo, Buffalo, New York I used to go lot. to
0: Buffalo too. Remember and what Roger. Buffalo was 30. like?
1: Do you remember yeah, what Buffalo yeah, was like yeah, 25 yeah, years yeah, ago? Yeah, yeah, well, even yeah, 25 even more 30. Yeah, but what yeah. Buffalo did? Buffalo had amazing old architecture, and they they kind of left some of their heritage intact, and that was a great thing to happen because. When the when that industrial decay happened, they started focusing on arts and culture. Co- Buffalo's a wonderful downtown to go and visit again after all these years. It wasn't Costco that moved. It wasn't a big box store. It was artists and creative types that mm-hmm. that, that turned it around, that put life back into it. So we have a visitor coming in. Oh, hey. Hi. Are you joining our show? Do we introduce
0: oh, you gonna be? Oh, I don't know, about twenty minutes.
1: Yeah, we're recording. So I have to put yeah. My show
0: in. Okay. That was AJ. Maybe I, I won't edit that out. I'm just going to leave it because it's part of the whole That's scene. It's part
1: of the whole thing of CFL, like volunteer run radio station, right?
0: Yeah. And and there there's part of that if we can get enough, if there's enough people interested in, and I think there, I, I believe there is. I, I hate to use the word think. I believe there's enough people in Prince George. that love the city enough. That love the arts community enough that will volunteer to make it uh, a center. I know uh, where I work. The owners wanted to make it the arts center um, for the north. It, it's a work in progress, and and I and and I feel there's a little disconnect between Vancouver and Prince George, mm. only because of. Uh, they're urban, they have this way of thinking, well they think differently down there, uh, you know, than we do here.
1: It's, it's true, I, I just have to tell you, so we, the Community Arts Council gets funding from BC Gaming for a number of our programs, and one of them has been for years, our monthly Arts Notes newsletter, which is and has been the kind of centerpiece of that monthly distribution of information about what's going on in arts and culture, and we get a little little bit of money from the provincial government to help us do that every month, well they're cutting us off next year because they don't think that an online newsletter is worthy because they don't get it. It's like, okay, so you're in Victoria people walk around everywhere, they see posters, they're outdoors. We're up in the north here, like we're inside six months out of the year and yeah, you know what? We get a lot of our information from our computers because we're not walking down streets, we're not walking to work where we can See we're not sitting outside like you are in Victoria. It's different. And I love Art and and I I mean gonna, and arts North. And I'm gonna Notes. well I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to them about that and saying I feel like this is a little bit of a southern BC prejudice that you don't understand how we get our information up here. And you're actually doing the community a disservice by saying we don't deserve to have that.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that's unfortunate. I didn't realize they were gonna do that. I, I get a lot of my information. Uh, you know, I found out about the the art displacement. This the, yeah. the the story of the law of the of the forgotten six by six. You know, there's that which is happens to be a show which is opening Thursday. August 8th,
1: I love how you do these segues into these plugs that I should actually be doing <laughs> But I'm just I'm just ranting about topical stuff. It's like yeah, the displaced art Do you know what that is? Should we talk about that?
0: Well, I mean, yeah, cuz I'm gonna be this is gonna be broadcast When am I gonna publish this within the week? So it, it'll be it'll be
1: yeah So every year we have a, an exhibit called the six by six exhibit and it's an opportunity for anyone you don't have to be a member of the arts council you don't have to be an established commercial artist everyone gets to submit a painting that's six inches by six inches and it gets displayed and it's like a silent auction we're doing it for years But over the years, every year we get a few paintings that no one comes and picks them up. They're kind of orphaned. They're forgotten about. So we've been collecting these paintings. We're like, well, we need, what are we doing? We have all this wonderful art in our basement. Let's, let's do a little fundraiser and do the, the, so they're like the displaced people. They're orphaned. They're in cages down in, down in the CAC basement. So we're letting them free. We're giving everyone refugee status. <laughs> if you can't miss the subtle <laughs> and and so the proceeds from this because you know the I guess the art is kind of ours because no one ever came to get it but the art belongs to somebody like art always, be, art should belong to somebody and so each painting I think is $45 which is the cost of how much it costs to send a student to one of our pro-D, pro-D arts camps so all the money we raise from it we're going to I have students uh, from uh, maybe marginalized background who maybe couldn't afford to come to a pro arts camps. Mm-hmm. We're going to allow them to come in; they won't have to pay. So the money will go towards that. I had a I have a six by six story to tell you. So at my home, a few Fridays ago, I was cleaning a table, and I bought these six by six paintings years ago, and I was dusting this table and. And I looked at the six by six painting, and it put a smile on my face. I was in a bit of a funky mood and I just, I remember buying it and I loved it and I looked at it and it changed my mood. And I thought, I wonder if the artist has any idea that years later, this little six by six painting had an effect on somebody. Do they even remember painting it? Do they know who owns it? So there's this connection that exists in space and time now through that painting from an artist to somebody who actually had a little kind of an emotional moment of happiness that the painting costs. And I think this is, this is the value of art. You know, you can push a pill onto somebody and say, this pill is going to make you feel better, but in six hours, it's going to stop making you feel better. But a painting, it can have like this, like it can go on for years and years and years and it doesn't cost any like anything more. It's done. It's out there. It's in the environment. So, That's where I feel about art, the effect that it can have.
0: I think with this one, um, not only will the person who purchases the painting feel good, it could, uh, in sending the young person to camp, art camp, it could inspire them to become one of the greats. could be a game changer.
1: We don't know. It could be a game changer. You don't know. Just like the artist doesn't know who painted that little six by six that three years later, this schmuck here is going to get a smile and be feel better while he's dusting his table. They don't know that, right? But isn't it wonderful to know that the capacity, the opportunity is there to potentially change lives and it doesn't cost any new money. We don't have to reinvest in it time and time again. The painting's done. It's out there. I
0: love it. I love it. Uh, what else we got? Uh, community art, public art.
1: Public art, yes.
0: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too enamored with much of the public art that we have recently. Uh I I don't like to be a critic because art is so subjective. However, I'm I don't feel I don't feel that sense of joy when I look at some of our or 90%, well, 75% of our public art. Can
1: I can I share my opinion on that? Sure, yeah. So I think this idea of cultural placemaking, out of that comes a number of different strategies and policies, and one of them I'm sure will be around public art. Public art and place can't be disconnected. You just can't stick a mural on an ugly building and think that it's going to do the job. No, you're just actually putting a mural on an ugly building. The building's still ugly, right? So we have to develop a sense of where the specific places where we're going to have in mind where we're actually going to put time and resources and effort into creating a really wonderful public art statement. So if you look, if you go to Vancouver downtown, there's some amazing public art, but I challenge you. One of the big factors that makes it amazing is the space where it was selected. It's changing space. It's not just drop down on the ground outside of an arena and say that we're done. So that one specific case in mind the the party the balloons Mm -hmm. I, I think so for me it's like I don't understand why it's in that spot you can't it's hard to walk to it. You just drive by it. <laughs> You're going by you barely even a chance to look it looks odd. Like what is that? Are they boulders on the ground? The space isn't right. It needs to be a space where people can connect with it and climb on it and and feel like it has some resonance with the with the environment around it. So I think we need to focus on cultural placemaking and then our public art will start making sense.
0: And that's what I love about the bears. In um Downtown, yeah. There's so there's just bears the 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 uh, Kermode bear sculptures that were painted by artists. How many years ago that? I think that was before you it's came before out to my time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Toronto,
1: you're from Toronto. I'm from Toronto.
0: We're both Toronto boys.
1: Yeah, so you know, in Toronto, there's some amazing public art, but there's some public art that's just like it's a fail, right? And yeah. I always say it's in the wrong. It's potentially in the wrong spot. The spot doesn't suit this art. It has. It's an environmental statement. You just can't... Look, you go into a gallery, right? You can put a painting up on the wall. But you've got to consider other things where that painting's going to... A good curator isn't just sticking art randomly up on a wall and saying, because sometimes it'll ruin the effect of the art. Well, it's the same with public art. If we're using public art to just cover up ugly eyesores I think we're doing a disservice to everyone to both the
0: art and the eyesore
1: (laughs) and and, well and the community too right because now you're alienating people from art so those balloons outside this is just my personal opinion I think it was a great idea I love the concept. I don't know if the execution was what the artist was really going for. I just think it's the wrong spot for that to happen.
0: If it was in Clayton A Memorial Park perhaps where people had access to it they could touch it and yeah. see what the material is. Yeah
1: but you're driving by it it's like what are those rocks that just fell off? Yeah, What is that?
0: And I, and I think the same with the with the mural or the piece that's on the side of the parkade at Queensway and, and uh, Brunswick. I feel um, I was disappointed that they chose an artist from Smithers Mm. uh, instead of and maybe like I wasn't privy to the the decision making process. So I don't know if there were no uh, Prince George artists that that could work within the parameters that were set out by the.
1: But again, there's no policy, right? So I think if we have a community public art strategy, we can make decisions on, hey, a certain number of. Art projects should be from local community members versus others that could be commissioned from a wider base because we don't. I mean, it's okay to have outsiders. Like we're not a we're not a, a medieval fortress where you know we're gonna shoot at anyone who's coming towards <laughs> our right. Like we're in the 21st century. We're in a global society. So yeah. like we not everything that comes from Prince George is going to be the best, right? Conversely, just because something's from Italy or Toronto or LA doesn't mean that it's better than what we can do here too oh god no no we've got to do it we we've got to assess what people are putting in I think um so after those balloons were installed I was at a local um coffee shop and so I overheard like this group of like 10 people and I they looked like they were like people worked in the road or construction and they were debating public art. And I thought, there it is. I love the fact that these folks are in the middle of the day during their coffee break or having a debate about public art. That to me is an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Even if we don't like that art, the fact that it's spawning people talking about what they like in art or their favorite public art pieces, I thought that was quite an accomplishment.
0: I think part of the, I, I, I think, well, I believe that every artist responsibility is to spark that that debate and and the debate respectful debate I mean it's so subjective people will just say I don't like it Okay, you, you don't like it, that's fine. We'll just leave it at that. And then there's the people that get a little combative. And and I and I don't know if that serves any any purpose when you're discussing art.
1: Well, I think there the problem with public art projects is that because it's purchased or commissioned with taxpayer dollars so people therefore feel like well that's my money being spent on something I don't like well okay right so we can't argue with that right and then there's the the sort of painful moral equivalency argument that happens is why are we investing in art when my road needs to be paved Mm -hmm. we can't get snow plowing right and our taxes are going up so why do we need a new concert hall so that's also a kind of it's not a very elegant conversation that we can have right because it's it's polarizing it's it's divisive and there's a moral equivalency meaning you know how can a how can this be right when this is wrong well the world isn't like that it's it's a lot less black and white i think the the uh, it should be a
0: balance of of how can we how can we have f- snow clearing, snow removal, and public art. You know, how can we do that? And I, and I mean, that's beyond me. That's the city council's responsibility. Well, and that's why I'm I think not going to run.
1: But I but I think as as a public too, we start establishing what are our community values. Do we do we care about a community that honors critical thought that honors communication that honors creativity, that honors collaboration, or do we just want good roads so we can run and shop and get back home to our neighborhoods that are probably going to start decaying because we've stopped caring about our souls. We've stopped caring about that essence of what it means to be a civilized social human being. If we stop caring about all these things, well, then we can't complain about homelessness. We can't complain about addiction on the street like stop complaining about those things if you don't want to pay attention to the very essence that actually will keep us healthy and sound you've got no right to complain then about all of these other problems because one a fix for one is just going to open up a leak in another part i agree sean
0: farrell executive director of the community arts council of print did i get it <laughs> I guess I, you no, know, lay it on, that, I, I don't know.
1: I'm a guy and I work at the local arts council and I, and I, I, uh, yeah. I think you do a fabulous job
0: and, and I'm not the only one. And I don't say that just because you're on the show. You know me well enough to realize that I will be critical of. Oh, yeah. of many- <laughs> he, he goes out. Af- he Speaking goes after an the black and white ball this year.
1: <laughs> oh, that goes back a couple of years. <clears throat> Uh, it went
0: well and you and you performed.
1: The, I well, I played the piano. I don't oh, know if I performed.
0: On. False humility? Is, why is it false? How do you know? Okay. I'm assuming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I don't like the spotlight. I don't like being on stage and my title is irrelevant. I'm just I'm just a guy. And
0: but you're you are classically trained. Uh Pianist that is played on stage, how do you say that you're not, you don't like the
1: spotlight? Are you introverted? I am. I am pathologically shy. I'm probably the shyest person that you've ever met. I find interacting a real challenge. I just learned, somebody taught me years ago that. People will only know you're shy if you let them know you're shy. If you pretend that you're not shy, people won't treat you that way. And it was such a game changer in just figuring out how to actually leave home in the morning and not have a complete nerves breakdown by 8 o'clock a.m.
0: I'm all, I was uh, taught, because I'm an introvert myself, believe it or not. Uh, and I, and I, I think most artists are introverts. Most creative people... And, and when I say artists, I'm talking about not just only visual artists, but actors and directors. And
1: um, uh, well, here's an interesting thing. Creative types, people who work within creativity, have you ever noticed almost simultaneously can be great leaders and quite bossy and domineering, but they can also be very subservient too. They know how to be humble and servile and, and... They'll just do things. It's fascinating to see people in our circle who, who can actually equally be passive and aggressive.
0: We learn to... We learn to put into... Um, we learn to prioritize. What's important? Is this really important for me to fight or am I going to, am I going to work with others? Right. Well, there is, uh, there's
1: that internal critical voice that's always questioning, always questioning, always questioning. And so I think, and not that I want to elevate critical, creative people as being a better person, but I think there is that ongoing critical voice where we, We put it against ourselves too. Where we're challenging ourselves, we're challenging our conceptions, we're challenging our beliefs, and sometimes we find out, "Oh, I'm completely wrong!" Like I'm completely wrong, right? (laughs) (laughs) Totally wrong. Shocker. Yeah,
0: (laughs) I uh, uh, wrong. Uh, I used to it was hard for me to say that word. R- I would say r- 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 incorrect.
1: I hate it when people tell me I'm wrong and the reason is it's because usually I already know it and I, it's like I'm just trying you know it's like I know I know what I'm doing is not right or you know not I'm, I'm not saying unethical or, I'm, or immoral, but it's just yeah, it's like I know. My wife will say to me, my wife will let me know. God
0: bless her. I love her. I want to wish her happy birthday. It's her birthday today. Oh, happy birthday. um, She will tell me when I'm wrong and she has no qualms about telling me when I'm wrong or when I'm doing something that may be contradictory to good health. Mm -hmm. And, And I try not to let her know that she was right. So I'll I'll, I'll go in there and I'll say, okay, yeah, maybe I'll do this and I'll do that because maybe a little bit you're sort of right.
1: Oh, so the negotiation starts. The negotiation phases in relationships are always so much fun, right? Because we know know it's a dance. We know that there's a little bit of a ritual around the negotiation. And at the end of the day... (laughs) As men, we probably really going to cave. You know? <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't matter.
0: I just want to go to my studio and paint. Right at the end of the day.
1: At the end yeah. of the day, I just want to go to my studio and paint. I can't think of a better way to to close this program. At the end yeah. of the day, I just want to go to my studio and paint. Period. Or create
0: anything. Create. Like I said, I I, I don't want to. I don't want to make this just about visual artists. Arts North is all about creatives, whether they're fiber artists, potters, musicians, playwrights. Everybody wants to
1: get into creative. I find it really fascinating that in this rather painful, toxic, and violent and unstable world, people. People are turning. Well, I think people are turning to two things. I think there's people that are turning back to religion and people are turning to creativity. Yeah, And unfortunately, there's some people that are turning to guns and violence too. Like people are looking for solutions. People are looking for a way out. And I think I can honestly say, and it's not just because I work in this field, turning to a creative outlet is one of the safest and most Honest things that you could actually do to learn how to communicate what's going on inside and maybe exercise it a little bit through journaling or painting or getting your hands dirty in clay or in metal, etc. People are turning to that in droves, and it's curious to see some of our local guilds that tended to have more of an older. Crowd because they're now retired are seeing kids from CNC and university wanting to come out and learn how to weave and spin and they they want to put their phones down and disconnect from the digital world and actually do something where they can walk away and they've got something to show it's it's almost tangible something it's almost like it's a it's a neat little new thing that they're learning.
0: I think, uh, Anna Marie Lowry from, from the two rivers gallery. I hope I got that right. Uh, she does a she has a program about, about uh, art and healing and, and maybe I'll have her on the podcast. Yeah. Sean, thank you so much for stopping by. I know you're busy and you got to head downtown and I got to get out of here because they need the radio station. So thank you so much for CFIS for allowing me to use this. And thank you, Sean. My pleasure. Thank
1: you, CFIS.
0: I'm Michael Cast for Arts North. This podcast is recorded at the studios of CFIS FM in Prince George, British Columbia. Produced and edited by Take 5 Media. If you're interested in seeing any of the Arch North video interviews, check us out on YouTube. Look for Take 5. Or you can go to www.take5media.com.